Welcome to the Learning Development Project podcast. This is the place to come for conversation, ideas and inspiration around learning development and the writing and publications that inform and enhance this varied and exciting field. We are your hosts, Karina Buckley and Alicia Suska, the proud co-editors of the book How to Be a Learning Developer in Higher Education. And today it is a huge pleasure to welcome Steve Rooney, who is a teaching fellow in the learning development team at Aston University, following a long stint as learning development manager at Leicester University. He has served as chair of the Association for Learning Development in Higher Education and is a committed and passionate learning developer and advocate for students. It's these qualities that made him the ideal person to write about LD pedagogies in our book, which he does with compassion, insight and humor. And this is the publication that is going to kick off our conversation today. So thank you very much, Steve, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh... Thank you. Thank you for that generous introduction. Oh, pleasure. Yeah. Uh, but before we start and after this uh, introduction, is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself that our listeners might want to know? Um, oh, I was, I was with you until you got to want to know. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel enormous pressure now. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I suppose... I mean, you mentioned my involvement with, with with Olding there, which is which is long-standing. I guess it's it's um, testament to the association's resilience that it uh, it withstood my uh, period as, as as chair and and survived and uh, went on to uh, to do great to do great things. Um, I guess um, on the writing front, as as that's something that um, that we're sort of going to be talking about uh, quite a bit, I anticipate uh, in what follows. Um, I guess in in addition to um, sort of writing for sort of academic purposes and, and research purposes, I have dabbled in a bit of creative writing as well, uh, mm. very erratically. Actually, I think all my writing probably fits into the very erratically uh, category and, and description. Um, but uh, a few years ago, or more than a few years ago, actually, um, a number of years ago, I um, uh, somewhat rashly, uh, decided to have a go at doing some performance poetry, uh, wow. and actually that 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 predates any of engagement in uh, in academic writing. So, I've not thought particularly um, carefully about how those two modes might inform one another, but I, I'm sure they do. Um, mm. They so, definitely um, do, and yeah. you can see it in your chapter, actually, because there's lots of ah. creativity oh, well, in your language. And oh, that's gratifying to know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. But uh, can you just make maybe before we dig mm -hmm. into it a little bit more, could you give our listeners the gist of the chapter? What mm. were you hoping to achieve from it, and okay. what's the kind of takeaway from it? Mm. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I, at, at the, the launch of the book, uh, which took place last week, uh, I think I spoke about um, feeling as though the initial uh, sort of invitation to write about pedagogies was something that I was, I was sort of more than happy to, to speak to as a topic I'm sort of obviously deeply interested in. Um, but I felt that it was um, perhaps a bit a bit too broad for me to take on in its entirety and also I felt that uh, it's it's an area that many others have, have commented commented on so I wanted 
a kind of a way into a, a conversation about pedagogy uh, and, and a way into thinking about how and why we learning developers do what we do and 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 why we make the kinds of pedagogical decisions that we that that, that we make uh, and i'd been mulling for a for a while although not in any kind of um particularly coherent way uh about questions surrounding uh agency and the conditions that make possible the development and practice of, of agency and so i I'd, I'd had several I mean, half baked is probably overstating it, quarter baked or <laughs> eighth baked um, sort of notions of uh, higher education more generally being a, a space in which um, agency is given a certain um, uh, priority and prim primacy in terms of what we, what higher education claims at least it's about encouraging. Mm. Uh, in particular, the notion of epistemic agency, the the, the notion of taking a more um, conscious and intentional role in the production of knowledge um, as, as being a kind of central, even though it might not be stated in those terms, uh, and also, of course, critical agency as, as well. And then going back a, a little bit further, um, I was also increasingly I noticed in my conversations with colleagues when we were talking about how we might embed support for learning within within the curriculum, I suppose I was increasingly dissatisfied with with the kind of I suppose the dominant language of of independent learning, um, because I felt that that was a kind of it didn't really capture the fundamental interdependency of of all of all learning and and so the notion of agency and the notion of agency being something we always exercise within some kind of structural context within some sort of conditioning context seem to be a more fruitful way of thinking about some um some of the perennial questions that come up around you know for example transition to higher education or the encouragement for students to take greater uh ownership and and um authorship of their own their own learning so 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 those ideas have been bubbling around and when the, when the invitation for the for to, to think about a, a chapter around pedagogy came in i that, that i saw that as an opportunity to try and um knock that together a bit a bit into something a bit more coherent than probably all of what i've just said <laughs> so that's what in some ways i i feel i've just performed the incoherence that was uh, <laughs> that, that preceded the uh the, uh, the 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 writing of of the, of the chapter. So uh, what I what I then went on to do, and what I then go on to do into the chapter is to think about what what would it be like to think about higher education learning as an invitation to greater agency on the part of students, uh, and what then might that mean for how uh, pedagogy and pedagogical decisions at a pretty practical level, not just so. I hope it's not um, uh, a wholly sort of conceptual. Uh, chapter uh, at, at, a, at a fairly practical level, very grounded level. How might we think about the sorts of decisions we make pedagogically um, in terms of trying, seeking to create the kinds of structural conditions that make the invitation to agency a more appealing one mm -hmm. and the practice of agency a more realizable one? For, for for students so so I, so I think pedagogically speaking it, it's not adding to the 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 already well um 
um, stocked cupboard of, of, of tools and, and, and techniques and practices uh, and not really theories either. I think it's not it's not offering a, another theory of learning or another another sort of uh, set of uh, pedagogical concepts. I suppose it's 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 rethinking what we currently do, what were the kinds of approaches to, to teaching and learning we tend to privilege within learning development, thinking about those in those kinds of terms. Mm -hmm. So that's that's and I guess the takeaway is to 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 sort of to not um to not set agency and structure as these oppositions to see them as sort of always mutually uh dependent codependent and and always mutually informative as well so as as you know we as pedagogical agents are exercising our what agency we have to create the kinds of um educational structures that might uh, be more conducive to enabling students to to realize their own agency so to not to not see these in opposition and I guess that's the other thing as, as well that, that alongside a, a dissatisfaction with the, the kind of the notion of independent learning or how that sometimes I feel that's potentially misused there was also a, the sense of um, not wanting to um, position support for learning as a a compromise mm. on agencies because because I think some sometimes conversations around support for learning can fall into that trap of thinking that well if we if we provide support uh, we're therefore um, you know disempowering students or, or we're not we're not we're not uh, creating the space in which students can think and do for themselves and it's sort of hopefully to try and think a little more subtly about the relationships between mm -hmm. support and the practice of of, of agency. Mm. Interesting that you said that because it's sometimes what the students thinks and think themselves, right? That by mm -hmm. seeking support, they are disempowering mm -hmm. themselves. So that notion comes not, not sometimes from different structures, but also from yeah. the students themselves. So it's how yeah, they position sure, themselves. Sure, yeah, sure, mm -hmm. sure. And and see, seeing the the identification of a uh, desire and need for support as itself. Uh, uh, a very agential thing mm. to do you know you've 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 exercised significant agency just just to make that that decision um so yeah so so so, so i think that that's what that, yeah that that's what i was i was keen to sort of try and uh, introduce into the conversation around mm. uh, ld pedagogies i think you captured it um beautifully actually and right at the beginning in your haiku that uh, just made the point very nicely that within a constraint you have that freedom to to create because you know the boundaries of what you're working within mm -hmm. so you can test things out you can try things because you know the limits you know the rules you know um what you can what you can't do i think it helps doesn't it sometimes that you can you can do more when you know how much how far you can go or you can play with those boundaries Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that last point is important. And I think I guess one of the challenges in all pedagogy, actually, whether it's LD or, or anywhere else is, is, is sort of navigating some of the tensions there as well, mm -hmm. because of course, you know, the kinds of um, uh, sort of structures within which learning uh, takes place uh, are not um, they're not guaranteed to be enabling, you know, and and, the, and they may work, you know. So, so, so I guess another another element of the chapter, which I hope comes through, is is that I'm not 
I'm not sort of um, arguing that there are there are guarantees in this in this regard. And, and to echo some of the points made elsewhere in the book, there is a there is a real need and quite an urgent need, I think, to to maintain a um, a very critical and self-critical uh, perspective on on all on all of this. Um, and so to, to to not to not assume, I think I mentioned at one point, to not to not assume that the the structures are 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 um, guaranteed to be benign, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that very well often will not be. And, and all, all structures, I mean, I suppose all pedagogical structures are embedded in broader structures. And again, thinking about some of the, the themes explored elsewhere in the book, um, especially once you're thinking about the sorts of questions um, decolonizing the curriculum throws up, for, for example, um, you know, you, you need to be very mindful of how one's own very local uh, structural arrangements are embedded in those broader structures mm. um, and how far they may even unwittingly be reproducing what could be oppressive structures so, so it's not I don't think I'm trying to uh, counter um, the anxiety around offering support with a kind of equally a reductive notion that no 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 support is good you know <laughs> it, it you know it, it, we may be there may be moments where we're inhibiting there may be moments when again like i said even unwittingly we're reproducing uh, structures that we would otherwise want to question and encourage students to question i just i think part of the challenge of all pedagogical practice is to be alert to that and to be reflective on it and and to um to be constantly interrogating what mm. we're doing as um in, in the process of of also providing the support that, that we need to provide. Hmm. It sounds like um, an approach very much in line with critical realism, maybe. Uh, is, is that one of the influences on your thinking? It, yes. I mean, I, I think it, it was, I guess, my, my, I suppose, my more conscious interest in the very question of agency and structure came largely from engaging with uh, the work of Margaret Archer, who's, who's mm -hmm. very much in that sort of critical realist tradition I mean I I, I don't feel um, philosophically trained enough to, to be able to say if 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 that is a tradition that I'm sort of uh, would position myself in um, that sounds like I'm hedging but I really I really don't I mean I, I you know I find I find that work really interesting and I, mm -hmm. I found I mean the work of someone like Andrew Sayer who, who has written a lot about um, mm -hmm. social science and, and realism and social science I find his work quite persuasive I find Margaret Archer's work on agency and the relationship to agency and structure very very persuasive and, and, and very compelling and, and I guess that yeah so, so, so I suppose the uh, that's a long-winded way of saying that broadly speaking yes that 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 that, that I think her work in particular is, is probably mm -hmm. the, the the um was really the the beginning of my um uh particular interest in these questions yeah mm. definitely that's really interesting. I, I it speaks to me as well. Definitely, critical realism resonates. But also, you have two more influences in in mm -hmm. the chapter that I was mm -hmm. intrigued by. So you use okay. quite a bit as Sigmund Bauman and Franz Fanon, and both of these I I feel also strongly connected with. And so I was just wondering uh, if you could tell us a little bit about these influences, these intellectual influences on your thinking. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that Bauman, I'm, I'm, I'm not like overly f familiar with. Um, I, I quote him um, because in in one of his more uh, sort of conversational pieces, uh, he he talk, he talks about 
um, the I suppose the the the, the always already situatedness of of, mm -hmm. of experience and and elsewhere he talks again he doesn't frame it so much in sort of agency and structure terms but but also I think it's in the same book it's going back a few years now he he talks about um, the constant negotiation of uh, the need for um, some kind of security stability but that being the basis of a yearning for um, sort of freedom and, and, and agency and and and, and I, I read that as him trying to encourage us to not see these as you know binaries or dichotomies you know that that, that lot, to, to live is to is to live in negotiation with those forces and there may be times when um, you know things tip too far one way or the other and 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 you know the the art of living for want of a less pretentious term is, is in part about being mindful of that and noticing that and, and learning how to to navigate and negotiate with it so so I, and I liked that particular quotation that I use about um, him him talking about how I suppose the reason I liked it is because he taught in, in the quotation I use is around him sort of saying as, 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 as hardly ever starting with a clean slate and the past always being present, always be always being, you know, a, a feature of the present. Mm. Because I think um, one of the traps you fall into in teaching uh, is 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 a, a certain kind of forgetfulness. And I think that's one of the things that we that we forget that 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 past is lingering in, in the present and and, you know, the, the 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 temptation to um, interpret what happens in a classroom uh, in in terms of you know the our immediate objectives rather than thinking about well how how would someone's uh, past experiences ex the expectations they would bring to that pedagogical encounter how would they inform how your efforts as a teacher might be received and might be responded to. So, so I thought it was quite instructive from, from that point of view. Um, with with Fanon, I mean, again, it's the, the, the quotation I use there is, is he, took, he, he, he in the, the opening chapter of The Wretched of the Earth, he, he, he kind of departs from his principal concern, which is uh, the struggle against colonialism, um, uh, to make these little asides about uh, the the capitalist world, the sort of the, the colonial centres. Um, and what's interesting about, what interested me about that is that they are asides and they have a nice kind of almost playful dismissiveness about them because you know, his, his central concern is, 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 is liberation struggle. Um, but then he, throw, he throws in, and, and I guess one of the things he's trying to do in that, the section of the, the book that I, that I draw from is the section of that chapter that I draw from is he he's he's trying to draw the comparisons between the more overtly brutal and violent forms of oppression that occur in 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 colonial context. He's trying to draw comparisons between that and the more um, subtle uh, and you know in inverted commas gentle forms of repression that take place in in, in the center and so so it, it, there's loads of commentary on how education works to you know obviously there's loads of commentary on how education works to reproduce social norms and values and there's there's, there's mountains of stuff on it but I, what i was pretty struck by by, by by fanon's quotation is is it because it because it comes from that perspective and it's almost like someone who is sort of just just taking a few moments to look away from his main focus to, to what goes on in 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 the in the capitalist world um 
I, I don't know. It just, it just, it, 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 it. I liked where it appeared in that in that moment of discourse, and then he goes back to his main sort of concern. So it's almost like, well, there's, there's here's a here's a passing concern in what's what's happening in in the the sort of the the countries that are responsible for this sort of brutal uh, colonial violence. Um, yeah, and and more recently, actually, I, I've been there's a there's a really there's a there's a, a philosopher called Karen Ung who's who's been writing um, a sort of philosophical defense of humanism, and she draws heavily on Fanon and Marx as well, um, and she has some really interesting things to say about um, <clears throat> how Fanon is is trying to uh, posit a, a new humanism. Um, which is not a kind of reproduction of a kind of liberal humanism, which is is kind of associated with 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 the process of colonialism, but but, but which 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 is built from the position of the oppressed. So, but that, I mean that that's not really what the chapter's about. But I suppose that that you know that's, that's something of a um, a digression from uh, from from the main focus of, of of the chapter, but it just so happens that he's he's hoved back into view for that reason because I've been reading some of her stuff on on a, I guess a philosophical defence of humanism in the face of its um, the quite legitimate critiques of it that have emerged in, in recent decades. I um I remember when when we were putting the book together and you were drafting your chapter, we did have a conversation about how far you wanted to mention. The terrible m-word neoliberalism at the end <laughs> pop up yeah. everywhere and and should you yeah. how much and what for but i i think it's it's a really useful reminder there in the conclusion that for all that we want to enable uh, agency in our students we have to um, think about what we're enabling them to participate in i think that's that's kind of the area that you finish the chapter that comes out for your discussion off and on mm where we want them to participate but in what what are we mm. we working with here and how do we critique some of those structures as well how do we work within and also against mm. some of the structures that our students are are finding themselves in um so where where do we go as <laughs> developers along those lines if you could just solve that yeah time. gladly i'm glad you asked actually i came with a ready-made solution so it's uh it's it, it, you know it's it's nice to be able to unveil it uh here and <laughs> here and now um I, well uh i mean i think a lot of it depends on the sort of the local context in which we're we're operating because i think you know the different the different areas of work that we undertake the different um even the different disciplines we get to work with and get to work closely with in, in lots of ways condition the opportunities. And and I think, you know, the, I don't go into detail in it in, in the chapter, but I guess a lot of it also depends on our own agency as well. So so I think if we can carve out space uh, and, you know, there's lots of sections of the book uh, which talk about the importance of carving out greater space for learning developers to be involved in these kinds of conversations. I guess if we are afforded spaces to engage with uh, processes like decolonization, for example, uh, where we can sort of, like say, find that space within the curriculum to, um, to open up these questions 
mm. around um I, I mean i think what i'm sort of concerned with most is is around a sort of uh, really sort of hyper individualization of of the notion of, of agency that, that that you know agency is is something that you practice as uh you know an individual and kind of exclusively as it as an an individual and in, in my experience that there, there are there are more or less opportunities to do that depending on the context in which you're working so it, so it, so i think part of the, the task maybe for, for for learning developer learning developers as a as a community is to start to um think about well so it starts the wrong word we have we do think about these things but to i guess to start to sort of map some strategies for for, for that because i because i think that um in my own experience you know opportunities arise so you might have the opportunity to work um in a particular context and this you know you might be wanting to support learning and it might be because students are um you know working on a particular assignment or a project and you know th that that might throw open opportunities to 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 sort of to have these sorts of conversations not just with students but with with academic colleagues uh, or i suppose you might get a chance to think at a more sort of whole curriculum level um but but at the moment that's all very uh it feels quite fragile and contingent as well so so i so i think that one of the things that um certainly came out for me in the later stages of the book uh, was was perhaps a need to sort of share some strategies about how, how do you, how do people affect more fundamental changes uh, what what kind of approaches have tended to to work most effectively for them in in in, in like I say in carving out that space so we can start to bring some of our more critical perspectives to bear on on the curriculum and how it's shaped and how it's assessed and so yeah that that's that's obviously not an answer to your question sort of i'm sort of painfully aware that's not a, an answer to your to your to your to your question but i suppose i i feel myself in a way a little bit uh not at a loss but but in need of some sort of help and direction and 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 um ideas for how to how to proceed with this stuff. I mean, I mean, in the past, you know, opportunities have, have come up where um, I've been involved in student staff uh, partnership projects where they've been reviewing the curriculum, they've been reviewing how it's assessed, they've been reviewing um, how it's how it's designed. That the scope that students have, for example, to I mean, this was around decolonization. So the scope that students have within the curriculum, as it's currently constituted, to explore questions related to decolonization and, and what could change in terms of how, how opportunities could be opened for for students to to, to develop those more critical um, perspectives on the discipline itself. Um, so that was a great opportunity to actually do some concrete work with, with with staff and students in different disciplines and it was fascinating to see how that played out in different disciplinary contexts so some were kind of you know we need we need together to wrap our heads around what this might even mean you know some of the scientific scientific disciplines for example were sort of saying well what you know what what does this mean in our context and it was it was it was it was really interesting to be a, a party to those those conversations between staff and students. Others, you know, a, a fair bit of progress had been made or, or thought to have been made uh, so in some of the sort of more humanities, social science disciplines. But but there it is a question of of uh, stu the students involved in particular uh, pointing out, um, you know, what further changes were were were, were required uh, and what um, what adjustments 
could 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 be made to sort of deepen the a process already underway. Um, but in lots of ways, that was that was like you know I was I was it was lovely to be involved in that, uh, and it's not like I played no role in instigating it, but I, it was also good fortune as well. You know, it was in the right place at the right time. Uh, a number of people, I guess, a critical mass of people, had decided this was something we wanted to look at, um, and you know, learning development had enough of a profile to have been included in that conversation. But I know there are other instances where you know you might have more of a a battle on your hands to to, mm. to to be involved in those sorts of conversations so i think that coming back to my earlier point i guess one of the things that i think it'd be good to move on with uh you know as as a community would be i guess sharing stories from the front line about how those how those changes were affected what what are the conditions that are most conducive to uh, to those kinds of changes and and what can we do at a practical level um, to build on? Um, I think I think a, you know I I sense that we're more a lot more self confident as a group than 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 we were previously and that comes out strongly uh, in, through throughout the book actually but I think more generally if you go to conference and you sort of mm -hmm. listen to the kind of conversations people are having um, but I think there might be space for more of a kind of conversation around strategy. Mm. and you know sort of it's, how you know quite practical how to do this yeah it's quite striking that you the, the chapter is nominally about pedagogies but to think about pedagogy is actually not just to think about teaching and learning it's to think about the entire educational mm. structure and the people that are operating within it and their relationships with each other absolutely it, yeah it's yeah. huge it's, it's much broader than you might think to hear the word pedagogy it's not it's not just that it has to be situated in that broader context and yeah. do you do you feel that in an ideal world learning development is the area that could lead on this conversation or should lead on this conversation i mean i, I think it should be a it certainly should be a leading participant in the, the conversation i mean it, i mean it has a body of insight and expertise that it's built up over a number of years um and you know, to, to echo a point that comes out in the book, uh, in in several points, is, is that there's a there's a danger that our 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 conversations relating to that insight and expertise are um, internal and inward looking in the main. And you know, and you know, um, just thinking of one example in in Helen Webster's uh, chapter towards the mm -hmm. end of the book, she 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 talks about um, you know the need for a more concerted outward looking and you know it needs to be more than just an intention to to look outward at, at an institutional level or even at a broader sort of sector level so so yeah I suppose the short answer to your question is absolutely yes learning development can and should be a leading voice in that and it and it, and it should be self-confident enough to know it has something of real value to offer to mm. those conversations but I guess it also needs because of its position because of its its marginality, its its precarity in some senses, it, it needs allies as well. So I think you know, if we're going to be participants in that conversation, I think we need to converse as learning developers would would want to converse. You know, as 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 people who are trying to build sort of cooperative mm -hmm. forms of of working and build alliances, and invite as many people into that conversation as as, as possible. As mm -hmm. well. So to, to so yes, to to be more assertive and self-confident but I guess to be so in a way that is uh, faithful to 
a kind of an LD ethos about how you know what what you know to pick up on some of the in questions of, of interest to you Karina what what leadership means and doesn't mean as well mm, absolutely I think I think you're right I agree with you I think that learning development is becoming a more confident community and more confident group of practitioners who yeah. are seeing the potential for what they can do and are starting to find ways to influence that to move in that direction what about outside the field how do we how do we make more impression on those outside the field about the value of learning development would you think well i think part of it is um i suppose is the further development of that confidence and self-confidence i think you know what what you both write about in terms of the importance of writing the importance of uh being public about what we do uh, and public meaning um you know you know seeking a, an, an audience with a hearing from those beyond or, or more immediate immediate circle um so i think that's a that that that, that that's a way in which i think we are as a group as a, as a community um working our way towards um i think it's interesting that you know again coming coming to, to to some of the stuff you've both written is that you know you, you are thinking about it in terms of strategy and how you would do it and so how you would get beyond that kind of like general sense that we we should be making ourselves more known we should be we should be a more self-confident assertive voice in in the sector to, to sort of more practical what does that mean you're doing then what does that mean you're doing more of <laughs> you know writing being one of them pub publishing in in uh, I, mean, I use publishing in a broad sense of the term as well i don't just mean in in the kind of like more established conventional ways but you know whether it's publishing online publishing in blogs and um even you know i mean Hel helen webster talks about in her chapter you know sort of being more concerted about having a presence when you know when an article is published in a in a more public forum having a learning developer respond to that and having a response to it so so i think those those are important but i guess i guess i come back to my sort of i guess my earlier point around thinking about how how we how we strategize because i because i think there's lots of stuff going on there's lots of really encouraging stuff going on um and this this is probably a reflection of my own uh sense of of being a little bit at a loss when when confronted with these sorts of questions but i suppose i i'd really welcome like i said some a kind of like um sharing of of stories from the front lines sh sharing of uh testimonies about how uh and by what means the you know what what we have to offer as a community uh has has found its way on into conversations beyond that that community so, and what what would be the, what what are the mechanisms by which we do that obviously the, i mean Aldine as an association is is operating at that level um but there's you know i think i think it's not always it's not always clear to me um and this was true when i was involved in in the sort of steering group as well it wasn't it wasn't as clear to me how how closely and how regularly those two areas of activity connected so so that the the learning developer operating on the ground has a has a consciousness of how their own struggles at an institutional level fit into this broader struggle which is being waged uh at a at a, at a higher level um so so maybe maybe 
maybe something that that, that sort of captures that and captures the, the connections and, and reminds us all uh, of what we're currently doing uh, and how we're affecting change and how we're affecting uh, how the, the the sector thinks about itself and its 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 purposes and, and activities. Um, but to do that, in, I suppose, in quite a grounded and practical way. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, to use your own metaphor from the chapter, what kind of dance are we dancing? <laughs> do I have to name a type of dance? I, <laughs> I fear that that by by using subtitles taken from Strictly, I, I've I've maybe made myself appear more knowledgeable about. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think I'm going to completely evade that question, but. Uh, <laughs> But also, I suppose, respond to it in that I suppose one of the things, one of the, I suppose one of the reasons I used that that metaphor was also because um, one way of thinking about agency, whether whether we're talking about our agency uh, uh, or, or, or agency in learning and teaching, is is around the notion of authorship. But another way of thinking about it is about the, the dance, you know, the sort of, you know, how, you know, and 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 the the judgments and decisions you have to make uh, when you're. Yeah, when you when you when you're dancing, well, especially if you're, you're dancing with others. <laughs> um, so, I guess the kind of what what kind of dance are we doing? I mean, I, I I suppose, I suppose what we're what we're trying to do is 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 make decisions about what kinds of conversations we're already part of. Um, what kinds of um, I'm trying to go with your metaphor and failing miserably here. How we can go with the rhythm of current conversations? So so you know that the sector will. And we see this at institutional level, so there'll be all sorts of decisions made about what's important and where the focus needs to be. And um, you know, we, we we might decide, well, learn development has something to offer that. We have, you know, we can we can we can dance to this particular rhythm. Um, but we also we also bring because we bring a critique, um, we're also trying to sort of simultaneously sort of uh, I suppose influence. And you maybe change the kind of dance that you know, or sort of, or sort of. And and I guess part of the judgment that's made, and this is made at all sorts of different levels, is uh, how far you're going with the dance as it's currently configured, and how far you're trying to um, sort of change it and 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 mm -hmm. and, and challenge it and 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 provoke it to to sort of to rethink mm -hmm. how how it's you know. Would you say that uh, learning development uh, developers are particularly cautious about not stepping on people's toes? To oh, brilliant! Yeah, you're you're so much better at this. Uh, yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I think part of that is is is, is there's I think there's a reticence, um, but also I think you know it, part of it's to do with uh, uh, perceived power as well in 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 the kind of relationships that you might that you might have at, at different at different levels. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, um, I think that, again, to, to run with your invitation uh, to, to try and extend the, the metaphor, I think, you know, part of the judgment is when you do need to step on toes. Mm. But I don't think it's, I don't think people are going to develop that at an individual level, or there might be some, you know, particularly remarkable individuals to do. But I think, but I think if, if, if we feel as though we're part of a a broader sort of movement and community that's 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 encouraging us and supporting us in in doing that. Then then yes, absolutely. I'm getting a real sense of learning development as a Kaylee. Actually, there's plenty of people involved, generally coordinated, but sometimes you know, 
you get the step wrong or the caller does something you're not expecting and you turn the wrong way or yeah or, or, or there might be times when you just want to seize the mic and change yeah. change it all together so so th thank you for that that gift of a metaphor <laughs> i feel as though i've uh, at last i've been able to to warm to it after several uh, false starts so <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for that you've alluded several times to mm. um mine and alicia's uh writing um our uh, mm. self-ordained mission that we have to yeah. um, encourage others to write to uh, write more about learning development to just write and publish and be visible and talk about what we're doing um hence this podcast it's all part of that um uh, grand um ambition um mm. so we do think that everyone uh, should write we want everyone to write mm. but how do you feel about writing um what's your relationship with writing um particularly in this kind of third space area as well mm. yeah, it's a little bit different perhaps yeah um i mean my relationship to, to to writing has always been um like deeply ambivalent um uh, it's always been a struggle it's always been something that i love and hate and you know love to hate and hate to love you know so so it's that's a really it's a really difficult question to answer i'm, I'm and i feel it places me at least in solidarity with lots of other people who feel <laughs> feel similarly about 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 writing um i mean i agree that we 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 do need to uh try and encourage and support people to to write more and to have a as broad as possible a conception of what it means to write what it means to get your writing out into the to the world and the various ways in which people might do that um i suppose i'd be a little bit concerned about it becoming another sort of performative pressure that people felt so i think that the line between uh, conditions that support and enable and conditions that people feel are kind of bearing down on them and and, and they feel like somehow inadequate if they're not writing I think th I, you know I think that's that's th that's just a note of caution really I think we need to be sort of careful that that it doesn't become another kind of like performative pressure and, and anxiety for people especially given that it's already often a source of anxiety for people I mean my my, my I suppose my relationship to writing is like I said, it, it's deeply ambivalent, and, and you know, I I feel at times uh, a certain sort of compulsion to write, you know, to to not just carry these sort of incoherent, <laughs> contradictory thoughts around in my head to try and knock them into some sort of shape, to sort of to reach out and see, you know, are other people thinking like this? But then I, it's also a source of enormous anxiety. Um, like a really kind of like really like uh intense anxiety as well and you know in 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 the period uh leading up to sort of 2021 ish i was writing quite a bit and you know in ver various kinds and i was quite i wasn't conscious of being enthused about it i think i was just getting on with it and then you know i guess to use um i was supposed to put it in the technical terms stuff happened <laughs> um uh, which really interrupted it and really threw threw me off and, and actually made the whole business in, like really painful and difficult. And even, even going back and looking at stuff that had been previously written was, was difficult and, and painful. And um, 
so I'm sort of acutely conscious of that. I'm not saying everyone has that experience, but I'm, I'm acutely conscious of, of, of the difficulties of, of, of writing and the anxieties that it can bring. Um, and also I think that, and I guess, yeah, so, so I guess the, the invitation to do, to think about a chapter was, was a way of like re-engaging with that. So I suppose what probably what I'm trying to say is that we I think we need to accept, or I feel, you know, from my own experience, need to accept that there the may well be periods when you're not writing, and that's okay. Um, it's kind of a question of why, and 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 is there are there means and um, and resources available to you to help you re-engage when you feel like you're 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 kind of ready ready to do to do so. So yeah, so so I think I, I I have a lot of I find it a real struggle. Um, I find it you know just a, like I say a source of uh, both inspiration and anxiety, and it's almost like the two things are there together. Then it's never one or the other. Well, sometimes it is the other. Actually, sometimes it is just like I said that there was a period when it was just a source of anxiety, and so I just felt that it's, you know it's not. I'm not. I'm just going to stop think worrying about this for a bit and get on with some other stuff mm -hmm. um but a, a, most of the time there's an ambivalence there mm -hmm. uh, and I, I i've sort of i suppose uh, it's a terribly overused word about you know acceptance but 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 to some degree in my own experience uh, of writing a, a certain degree of acceptance that that, that it that it that it is just going to be that way it is going to be ambivalent and and that ambivalence uh needn't be something that prevents you in t from 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 doing it i think is is has, has been that's the position i've arrived at as a mm. as someone who writes ir, you know irregularly wow well thank you for sharing your vulnerability around writing that's very powerful uh, in fact and uh also surprising um only because it doesn't come across in your writing because your writing is very light, mm. there's humor to it. It it flows beautifully, and there's that, um, there's the heart in it. I would even say, mm. and so it, you know, sometimes people write in a way that you can almost sense a struggle, but but in your writing you can't really, uh, or mm. I couldn't. Um, so I wonder if you know to what extent it's your creative past now lurking in the present and and informing how <laughs> yeah. you write or yeah. what kind of other influences have shaped how you write um do mm. you have favorite writers um that you maybe tried uh, to emulate in the past or just really really inspired you or people who actually have taught you to write in a particular way um, i definitely have people whose writing i find enthuses me um and they pro I, I guess their influence is probably at work um probably more implicitly or you know r rather than thinking I, I want to write like that uh, but def definitely yes I mean I um I mean that's really kind of you to say I'm glad that that's what because I, I mean I mean I mean the lightness is something I'm trying to achieve uh I think I, I have a tendency towards flippancy at times which I think is a self-defense mechanism i think you know you you sort of like well if i can make light of this then maybe no one can really attack me for what i'm saying because that would be me uh, and he's not and he's not really serious anyway you know so, so so i think i think i definitely have that as a as a as a danger lurking in in the kind of the the, the use of humor for for example and and so i'm i'm mindful of of that um but i, I suppose 
I mean, I listened to your, your, the episode that you did together where you, you were talking about, uh, you know, what like texts in particular from pe people, people who've written about writing. Uh, and I, I remember feeling, oh, my God, this is whole world that I'm totally unfamiliar with and, 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 and unaware of. And I felt like, is everyone else been reading these people? And I, I, I haven't. So I get I guess I've been. Um, well, coming back to Margaret Archer, actually, and I don't claim to write like Margaret Archer at all, but I, I think that when I first encountered her work, what I think what I liked about it and what drew me to it, as well as the, the content, was was that she sort of adopts this um, quite, you know, she's dealing with quite dense theoretical knowledge and she's engaging with some of the more kind of, you know, avant-gardist contemporary thinkers, if you like, um, you know, you know, she's engaging with post-structuralism, for example, and, and you know, critically, not not dismissively, but but but, crit but critically, and Marxism, and and, and so, so she's she's steeped in this sociological theory and and, and the more philosophical end of, of sociological inquiry as well, but she she has a, a a kind of tone which is I think is I think is still trying to draw you in and 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 is 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 still sort of. It's it, it doesn't lose its sort of conversational register, even when it's even when she's dealing with like often quite dense theoretical concepts. And I think all the writers I like do some version of that. Um, Gillian Rose is is a writer who's uh, very hard, very difficult um, for me at least. Uh, I was telling someone recently, I often. You know, if I read anything of, of hers, I often feel like I need to go and lie down for a bit afterwards because mm -hmm. it's so, so difficult. Uh, but some of her more confessional work, so she has this absolutely gorgeous, uh, stunning memoir called Love's Work, which she wrote towards the end of her, her life. And um, again, she she's not like Margaret Archer, but she she is engaging you in a conversation. She is she is trying to engage you um, emotionally as well as intellectually. Uh, much more so in, in Gillian Rose's case. And and then um, over a number of years, I've been reading the work of Jan MacArthur, who's a, a educational theorist based at, I think she's based at Lancaster, so, so based at Lancaster, who, who uh, is steeped in a kind of Frankfurt School critical theory tradition. So she's written a lot about Adorno and in particular, the, the, the significance of Adorno's thought for education and educational practice and, and critical pedagogy. But again, she, she does it with this sort of warmth and hospitality and this um, let's let's I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to work to take you with me, I suppose, is probably how I would define how she how she how she writes. Um, and I think that the people who who I am drawn to tend to sort of try and strike that balance between you know interesting challenging philosophical ideas uh within learning development i think again i think you know i've i'll confess i haven't read all of the book but i've read a good sort of two-thirds of it now uh quite closely and again i think that comes out again and again in in how learning developers write mm -hmm. um is this uh desire for it to be a, a conversation, not obviously not a literal conversation, but, but, but it's its desire to reach out and 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 invite in. Mm. Uh, you, you've cited Gillian uh, Rose in your chapter, and what I particularly like is how she characterises writing as that combination of discipline and miracle. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if we have the discipline to produce it, then the miracle is that other people can 
can join in, can hear what we have to say and be part of that conversation. Yeah. A static yeah. One. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I know she was probably meaning that in a slightly different sense in terms of the production of it, but I think it does work in that yeah, broader sense. It is a miracle in a way that we can do these things and uh, have this kind of impact or share our ideas with other people like this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And she, she, she's very good at bringing together concepts that don't look as though they should probably belong together. Discipline and miracle being an example. And I think you're right. So I think that is a that's an entirely plausible reading. And I'm sure she'd approve. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, in this, I, I wonder if you are actually in the in a really good position to share your wisdom your miracles mm -hmm. around writing in terms of, <laughs> in terms of uh, making suggestions uh, mm. to our listeners about writing so you know what helps you and what could help mm. others you feel what have been your kind of maybe not tried and tested necessarily but um, conducive productive ways mm. to get into writing or to value it to to come back um, etc mm -hmm. yeah um I mean I, I think well for me, for me personally I don't know how this will resonate with other people but I, but I think um I suppose one of the traps I've fallen into in the past when I felt anxious about writing and I is 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 a kind of like you know I shouldn't feel this way you know I, I should I should be I should you know I should be I should be enthused about this uh I feel anxious about it it feels threatening it shouldn't feel that way and and that's a kind of a bit of a dead end really because all it does is intensify uh the, the anxiety and make you feel you know even worse about yourself than you than you were already already feeling so so I think some degree of acceptance that it that that that, that, that that's there I think acceptance is a very dangerous word and, and I think you know I'm, I'm I'm mindful of that there's a difference between accepting you know the reality of something and and, it, and accepting that that's how it needs be <laughs> you know so so it, it, it i'm i'm aware of the the kind of the dangers around that that, that notion of, of acceptance but I, but for me personally some some acceptance that um that the anxiety will be present uh that 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 that, that needn't be like an entirely negative thing either uh it does you know it, it does place you in solidarity with lots of other people because because lots of other people are are like you also anxious and 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 uh, reticent about about the whole the whole enterprise. So some degree of 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 of, of acceptance, and then beyond that, I think you know at a, at a practical level. I mean, a, a lot of what you you both talk about in 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 your article about writing as liberatory practice. I think you know developing, uh, you know, a, a kind of uh, kind and manageable discipline. And what I've what I've found with create with more you know when I've been doing more creative writing is 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 sort of just sort of having sort of time when you are going to do something with with sort of limited pressure on the quality of whatever that something <laughs> will turn out to be and again an acceptance that there'll be good days and and and, and bad days but at least you'll have produced something with academic writing I I, I find that. Um, one of the worries I have been able to, I think, successfully let go of is 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 not being overwhelmed by the complexity of whatever it is you're trying to get out into into the world. And and if you can get it out onto the page in 
in whatever form you can initially, you've got something you can work with. Um, and I think I probably in the past sort of often refrain from writing because I felt that I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not up to the task of properly articulating. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure I've made that painfully <laughs> um, obvious during this conversation. But I, you know, I, I, it, I, I feel as I'm up to it and, and, and so and, and, and use that almost as an alibi for not starting. And so but whereas if I change the task, if I say, well, you know, what am I thinking now? Um, what do I think I want to say? Um, maybe the confusion around what I say can be constitutive of what I end up saying anyway. So let's get something down on the page um, in in a in a in a in a limited and controlled way. So it might just be let let's do a paragraph on on X and see what see what comes out, and let's then look back at it and see what we can we can we can do do with it. I I also get very people might also suggest, I get very anxious about coherence. Uh, and so again, I think one of the habits I've been able to develop is 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 a um, a self reassurance that that the coherence can come later. You know, you can you can you can refashion writing. You can you can uh, you can reorder what 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 you've what you've written. And and sometimes, you know, the the coherence will be a hell of a lot easier to secure once there is something you're trying to make cohere in the first place. So, so I suppose, and I think a lot of the conversations I have with students, although I would never frame them in those, phrase them in those terms, unless I wanted to, you know, alienate them immediately, um, are, are versions of that, are versions of um, seeing the deliberative aspect of writing as something that can occur at various points. It's not something that has to precede the the writing itself and in fact in some ways it's 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 better that it that it doesn't it's better that you allow yourself to get what's you know running around in your head out onto the page in some form um so that that you know that that's that's way short of a method and a discipline but i i guess that's that's the kind of thing that i've found has has helped has helped me um the other thing i'd say is is also helpful is is, is getting away from it as well uh, not running away from it, uh, although you know, if going running, going walking is actually very helpful. I find to writing, but but sort of removing yourself from the the site of struggle uh, and allowing, um, I suppose, a bit of space for um, insight to to come that way. You know, very often, you know, rather than sort of wrestling with a, a piece of text, removing yourself from it, and like I say, going for a walk, doing something different. Uh, sometimes, you know, solutions can come to you completely unbidden if you allow yourself that that, that space. Mm. But I would, I mean, I suppose, you know, the risk of sounding <laughs> sycophantic, I, I would say go and read um, that article that, that you both published because I think it's full of super practical advice and it's full of compassion as well. And I think, you know, there's a, I think there's a danger with any advisory resource that it just becomes another set of things you're failing to do <laughs> uh, another set you know to add to your you know one's you know burgeoning list of inadequacies oh god i also don't have a discipline writing practice but so i i think the the kind of playful way and self-reflective way in which you you approach that um makes it all the more uh, enabling so yeah thank you thank you for writing it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I wanted to just uh, uh, just comment very briefly on something you said. I, I really like how you 
talk about acceptance. Uh, I think it's a very important uh, way of thinking about acceptance in this very complex way where actually, I, and I don't know if I'm, because it, it reminds me of the Buddhist way, although I suppose Christianity has the same, there, there's an element of spirituality in it, yeah, where you, mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to tell the difference between what you can control and what is there. And if what is there, you have to be able to sit with it and accept it for what it is, but it doesn't mean that you cannot change it. So there's always that kind of, mm-hmm. um, I, I suppose the intelligence human intelligence lies in the in the ability to tell the difference between the two and 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 mm-hmm. if necessary of if we want to, to do something about it and mm-hmm. it just uh, kind of reverberates through my head as you as you talk about these things so mm-hmm. um yeah thank you for reminding us about this very important sure. uh, quality of life mm-hmm. i suppose I, I mean i guess that's why i suppose that's why i was i was i mean i agree with you and it's present in lots of um traditions um sort of very sort of faith or, or wisdom traditions but but i guess i guess that the, the, your 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 points about you know in not being like an inhibition against change is is is, is i think that, that you know you, you've put that much much better than i did about what what some of the dangers of acceptance are because you know there's a, there's a difference between kind of because because you know there are there are times when just a kind of wishful thinking about you know if you think about learning development you know if only he were structured otherwise mm-hmm. <laughs> well it's not it, it is how it is mm-hmm. but a kind of that's a level of acceptance that's not a uh an invitation to just go with it it's an invitation to think in much more grounded and concrete terms about mm-hmm. how you would then strategize any any change so yeah i'd, I'd, I'd agree with that yeah oh. I think you've left us with a little food for thought. <laughs> back to the back to the food metaphors. That's uh, that's, that could that's be all there. <laughs> so yeah, so it sounds like it's it's now going to be a lifelong vocation. So I'll have to. I do like I should, to bake and it. cook. Yeah, well, yeah, no, you should definitely definitely run with it. That or the dancing, or maybe that maybe it's not. Maybe it's a it's a both and rather than either or. Yeah, I think dancing. you need the dancing after you've eaten everything that elites you eat. At least that's Absolutely. my experience. <laughs> All these hedonistic pursuits that we never have <laughs> the luxury to pursue. <laughs> I think a lot for a second then. I got I got disconnected. Oh, I'm okay. glad you came back just in time for us to say thank <laughs> you so much for your contributions today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and hearing your ideas. Uh, very coherently and articulately uh, fleshed out honestly <laughs> bless you bless you for saying so thank thank you very much it, it's been really insightful and yeah thank and you and delightful <laughs> yeah. well, fa- thank you for having me it's been a, not it's to been say delicious <laughs> indeed <laughs> do it. 